Jenny. How are you? I'm good, Daria. How are you? I'm good. Can you believe it's been a week since our last episode? <laughs> I can't. It feels like time does not exist properly still for the last 18 months. Um, It feels like the last week has been 72 hours, and it feels like the last week has been seven years. I did wake up this morning thinking it was the completely wrong day, so I feel you. I'm with you. I'm struggling. Oh yeah, I definitely thought it was Monday till about like 11.30 this morning. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, how's it been? You watch anything good lately? I did watch the movie Pig with Nicolas Cage. Oh no. <laughs> So I I have to preface off by saying I really love old Nicolas Cage movies. I will watch National Treasure. If it's on TV, I, we're stopping everything and I'll watch it. Like, I won't actively go out of my way to watch it, but I do love watching it. And, you know, I love, like, The Family Man. Such a good I, Christmas movie. I do love The Family Man, specifically because they use the talking heads in such an amazing way in the soundtrack yes. that I... I can't help but love it, even though I find Nicolas Cage very uncomfortable as a human being. I mean, yes, he has not done a lot of great things lately uh, in the past several years, mm. decades. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a toss up. So yeah, I was cajoled into watching this movie and I really did not want to. Uh, I knew nothing about it. I was told it was John Wick, but with a pig, which for those of you who have seen John Wick may understand. I, however, have still not seen any of the John Wick movies. That's so right. That made no sense to me whatsoever. So I was like, mm, Keanu Reeves. Okay. Oh, sure. Fine. It is <laughs> not what I imagine John Wick is. However... It was a delightful movie. It was very, it was a very quiet movie. There was not like a ton of dialogue, but it was very, I, I really enjoyed it. It was very heartbreaking at some points. It was very funny. And I don't want to give away too much because it's kind of like, I feel like if you knew what it was about, people would be less like going into it not knowing anything I enjoyed it probably more than I would have if I had known what the plot was before I started but <laughs> no, I really enjoyed it and I, I do recommend it I, I was very impressed by Nicolas Cage it kind of felt like watching a movie with an actor who you thought might have been Nicolas Cage but you weren't really sure <laughs> But it was good. And I mean that in a nice way. Like, I mean that in a complimentary way. It was, he was very much the character and very much not, it's Nicolas Cage playing a character. Well, I mean, that's the one thing you can kind of give him. He does sort of try and disappear into his roles, even though most of the time yeah. to me, he just reads as Nicolas Cage being crazy. I Yeah. I have a very love-hate relationship with that man. I love him in Moonstruck. I love him in Valley Girl. Like, there are some Nick Cage movies that I'm a big fan of, but they're usually not because of Nick Cage and <laughs> you know my family loves to rag on me because whenever a Nick Cage movie comes on I'm always like oh god no not please like anything else and so <laughs> when I was moving into my first apartment as a joke my parents I don't know what they were thinking they got me these pillowcases with Nicolas Cage's face on them and not just his <laughs> face there's one where he's like posing provocatively shirtless like on oh I don't know like a bearskin rug it's like very oh wow it's it's a lot and my mom thinks it's the funniest thing in the entire world <laughs> and and now they've become this like haunting revolving gift in our family where if someone's <laughs> moving into a new apartment uh if someone's like renovating a place somehow magically these pillowcases appear Okay. And it's, it's never ending. And you don't know when they're going to come back to you. <laughs> I think I've gotten them twice. Like, I think I got them for Christmas one year thinking that I was getting, like, something really cool from my parents. And I open up the wrapping and there's his face again. And it's the same. It's, it's not like a new version. It's the same one. It's the same pillowcases. Because I'm like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. This is creepy as hell. You take them back. And she's like, sure, okay, sure. Amazing. Yeah, I'll take them back. And then suddenly they're at my brother's apartment. Suddenly they're at my cousin's place. I'd like, I they. They are evil demon pillowcases that follow us wherever we go. Daria, I have so much blackmail on you right now. I can't wait to send you a Nicolas Cage thing randomly with no return address on it. Well, I'm going to know it's you now. <laughs> or will you? Or will you? I'll send it to your mom first and have her mail it. Oh my god, do you know how happy she would be? She's probably going to be listening to this right now going, Yes, Jenny's a part of it. 
<laughs> I love it. This is your welcome into the family, Jenny. The Nicholas Cage Amazing. pillowcases. Amazing. <laughs> okay, should we get into this episode? I don't even know where to begin, dude. I, I don't even know where to begin either. I guess we just begin at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> the beginning. The beginning might be a good start. I Jamie. I know. <laughs> I just have to put it out there right now. Two things. One, this episode was written clearly to make Daria and I take back and eat every single word that we said in episode one and two. (laughs) Because everything that we wanted and were worried about, they gave us in this episode. I know. And also, two, we didn't know it, but we clearly are Jamie apologists. (laughs) We can't help but love him. I'm I'm a sucker. I'm... (laughs) I'm easy. You give me one little questionable brow furrow, a little frown, a little bit of vulnerability. I'm there. I'm I'm good. I'm ready. Like let's let's see what's gonna happen because give him another chance. Because I love him. I, I do have to laugh when he was on that morning show. Oh my god. <laughs> the whole thing with George Harrison. And I am just gonna go on a quick tangent. When I was eight, I got a Fisher Price record player from my cousins. And it had these like little like kid records, you know, like Camp Town Races and like, you know, there's like some Mickey Mouse stuff. But that was not good enough for me. For so sure. I went and found all these other records that like my parents just had in this box. Like just this these records in this box. And I played them on my Fisher Price record player. And it was the Beatles. And I fell madly in love with the Beatles. And I was like, I played every Beatles record on that Fisher Price record player and just absolutely demolished them so bad. <laughs> But I totally fell in love with the Beatles and only found out that John Lennon, my favorite Beatle, had died before I was born when I was 11. <laughs> I spent three years thinking John Lennon was still alive and that somehow I could marry him. I mean, I could somehow marry him. Sure. But no, he was already dead. So just that little segue, you know what? Some people find out their favorite Beatles are dead long after they're dead. Look at you. You and Jamie Tart. <laughs> Two knees in a pod. Who knew? Let's not get that far, okay? <laughs> let's, not that, let's not go that far. No? <laughs> yeah, so we see Jamie, poor Jamie, kicked off of Love Island or whatever it's called. <laughs> I don't know if they're calling it Love Island, but it's no, they're definitely not. Love Island. It's definitely Love Island. I know, it's like Lust, lust Conquers All or something. Or Love oh, Conquers All. I don't no. know. It's Something crazy like that, yeah. (laughs) So Jamie gets kicked off. Oh, the press conference with the the Manchester City Club. Oh, God, so good. It was basically just Higgins, a different Higgins. Yeah. It was so great. Every team clearly has the same archetype of, you know, they have a Higgins, they have a Rebecca, they have a Ted. In some way, shape, or form. I loved it. It was great. So great. Oh, I thought it was kind of, this is more... This is, I'm just putting it out there. I'm not going to say it again. Everything Jamie did this episode, I loved, okay? So just don't at me, okay, guys? But him with his fans, him signing the soccer ball for the little kid, I was like, who is this? Who is this? I love it. Well, it's it's funny because, I mean, you know, he he's a dick, right? He's yeah. kind of a pompous, pain asshole. We've talked about this a lot. Yeah. But he really loves the game, and he loves that he's good at it. And he loves being a football player. And so yeah. walking out of any building and seeing uh, whether it's four fans or 40 fans, he he still has that like thrill and excitement and he's going to be really respectful for them because he knows. I know. I know. And like clearly I think maybe even then he he's trying to, I mean, we don't know what, when he's, like if, if his idea to go talk to Ted, which comes later, is like already percolating in his mind. Um, Because we're not sure what Jamie's going to be doing because of that ominous door closing of his, what was she? I don't even remember. I think she was his new talent. Yeah, like, talent, talent something. Publicist or manager. Yeah. I mean, I don't, look, I don't put it past Jamie to have multiple contingency plans or to play the long con, but I am desperately hoping that it's a situation that makes Jamie do the right thing. Yeah. I hope that's what we see. I really do. And then we have Ted on the lawnmower. <laughs> I've never seen such joy in an adult man's face before. I know. Like, uh, Jason Sudeikis really knows how to sell 
those like super silly moments. He really does. I loved it so much. And what I loved the most about it is that moment with Roy and Keely watching him yeah. and Roy's comment about this being the closest thing to a Dodge Ram. Amazing. Just like so accurate. <laughs> I mean, we can't even talk about the insane lack of regulations on pickup trucks in America because they get bigger and bigger and bigger every single year they're like little monsters riding on the highway and you know in the uk they have nothing close to that no so it was just this like perfect moment i know it was so great which leads into the second perfect moment with roy and keely which is them talking about nigella's cordon bleu and the word moist because leave it to roy kent to make the word moist okay in 2021 <laughs> i know I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, it's not nearly as, as aggravating to hear when it comes out of Brett Goldstein's voice. That is true. It is 100% true. I'm going to investigate with it. that. I know. You <laughs> might have to listen to it a couple more times just like for research science also the fact that he's watching cooking videos to like make the best dinner he can for keely i want i know i want that and it's nigella so i know I just, so you know it's gonna be good and i i there was one part that i thought was kind of interesting and i want to it reminded me of something i had wanted to talk about in episode one but forgot <laughs> is that when they see roy or sorry when roy and keely are in the truck and ted she gets out of the car and Ted's like, oh, is that Roy? And Roy just like speeds off. And you can kind of tell on Ted's face that he's disappointed. Mm -hmm. And there was a point in episode one where he seemed very much like a little bit lost and we thought I originally it was just you know oh this therapist is coming in and he doesn't but I think it was more than that. I think he was kind of lost because he didn't know how to help Danny. Right. He didn't have Roy to sort of unpack and help, you know, become more of himself. He did that. He did that in season run and, and look where Roy is. And he didn't have Jamie to sort of continually work on. Um, yeah. So I feel like he was just kind of like, he's a little bit lost and, and he doesn't have these guys that he sort of has been putting so much effort in. Not that he's not putting effort into the rest of the team. That's not what I'm saying. But I think in season one it was very much like those were sort of his little projects to get yeah. this team together and he doesn't really seem to have that or can't for the for the the players that he does have he can't seem to help them um so i just thought that was kind of interesting and his reaction to roy just like driving off kind of reminded me of that you know he's there's obviously roy has not talked to ted has not hung out with Ted we see that we saw a little bit of that in season or in episode one um so that this is just kind of clearly hitting at home I hope that now that I hope we see what happens going forward yeah I'm I you know obviously Roy is not the kind of guy who has uh, a lot of friendships clearly but he <laughs> yeah. seems to be way more comfortable with his yoga moms than he does his former coach so yeah I, I kind of need a Roy and Ted moment soon yes Yes. I just feel like whatever we say in the podcast will then come to fruition in the next episode. Clearly, as we've been voicing our wants and needs, and then we get them. So I'm I just going to put it all out there and hope that the writing gods are listening and yeah. we get it next time. Yeah, exactly. Well, I did hear somewhere, and I don't know how accurate this is, but I did read, I think it was on Twitter, the validity of this is negligible but <laughs> <laughs> that season or episode one two and three was originally written to be released at the same time like dropped all three together so it's like oh. one little arc so i think in this upcoming episode this coming week we might see sort of i don't know just like i think we'll see a couple of small things resolved and then perhaps mm -hmm. more stuff planted for the next sort of little arc that happens so yeah it's, it'll be be interesting so yeah that's what i heard i don't know if it's true feel free to email us tell us we're wrong well then i hope that in that if that comes to fruition we will understand what has crawled up nate's ass and died there oh because i'm not used to being frustrated with nate and no these last two episodes have been like really concerning why is he so grumpy and why is he so mean to that cute little towel boy whose name unfortunately i can't remember will 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 why is he so mean to will well so sweet he puts lavender softener in the laundry he's just trying to relax the player it's so thoughtful yeah it is a little bit 
odd to see Nate um, on such a power trip. Um, and in, and not just with Will. Yeah. Like, there's a couple other moments I, I noticed, and we'll get to them later, but I just noticed that he was, like, a little bit, a little bit power trippy, a little bit power hungry f- with a couple other characters, and I was just like, I understand. I understand that this is going to lead to something, to him realizing, him some realization, and then it's an arc for Nate. I understand. I just like him to be nice, though. (laughs) I'm just not used to the aggression in that way. Like, we saw the sprinkling of Nate's personality when he was roasting the players in season one. But this is too much, man. I don't like it. No, and I think even his little roast of the players was came from a place of like of sort of jovial collegial banter yeah like poking fun at not you know i don't know like even his, when you know when he's just he slams the doors as he's coming into the office so that will has to open them like what a power move but like also what a dumb flex at the same time yeah it was just a lot but like um, will knocking on the door to be let in beautiful i know beautiful moment (laughs) and then that scene finishing up with a beard quoting shakespeare is just like love it he never ceases to amaze me never the most well-read man in that entire show (laughs) oh and then i loved when ted this whole this the whole interaction between ted and higgins about dr sharon Oh my god, I know. Like, just such great banter and such great, the timing that Jason Sudeikis and Jeremy Swift have in this scene is just like, it's just one, two, three, like, it's just so funny. And then, you know, Beard's little head shake, and then, you know, when uh, Higgins is like, what do I do? <laughs> uh, I just thought that was so, I thought it was so funny. And it's just like, it kind of, you can kind of see Ted, he's just He's, like, he's on the edge about Dr. Sharon. Like, we thought he was on the edge last episode. He's, like, dangling. He's, like, he's about to lemming it right off that cliff. And what I love about it is that everyone knows and everyone calls him out on it. They are all aware that Ted is having this issue and they're, like, not letting him hide it. Yeah, yes. Which, again, goes back to the show, like, being very open and transparent. There's, like, no miscommunication. If Ted is having issues with therapy, everyone's going to make fun of him for it. Exactly. And then we have Jamie and his agents, and he's just so vulnerable. It's also, you know, he confirms it a little bit later in the episode, but I I knew that there was going to be some underlying reason why he would just quit the team. Yeah, yeah. He's worked so hard to be the best football player so for him to suddenly quit and join a reality show yeah it seemed too weird especially after all of the progress he made last season as a player Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that was really hard to watch because you see him making these like horrible decisions and contemplating making more horrible decisions with his like weird new reality show i yeah yeah that was a hard moment and then to it's just I don't love seeing moments like that for characters where, like, everything is bad. (laughs) I know, and I also hate, I I really hate, and I know it's probably more accurate than we realize, like, the the manager or agent and the talent agent or whatever, kind of taking advantage of it Mm -hmm. as well. And because, of course, they have a stake in this. They get paid. Yeah. You know? And so I just, I think it's just so, it just makes you want to just be like, no, no, no. Run! Run, Jamie! Well, it makes you want to hope that there is someone normal in his life giving him decent advice. Because there clearly doesn't seem to be. No, no, for sure. Absolutely. After we see Jamie sort of floundering in his management's office, trying to figure out what's going to come next, we go to a completely different awkward office moment with Ted bursting into Dr. Sharon's office. Yes. And immediately being told that that is a completely inappropriate thing to do. And she's right. (laughs) Like, has Ted, I was going to say, has Ted never been to a therapist's office before? And the answer is no, Jenny. No, he has not. 
<laughs> Unless he was with his wife. So, yeah, but, like, honestly, barging in, barging into anyone's office. I mean, I know he does it to Rebecca, but I don't know. It just seems like. Well, it's, it's so, <laughs> it's so hard to watch because Ted is so triggered. And I don't like to use that word yes. a lot. But he is so triggered by his marital counseling that he's, mm-hmm. like, not thinking logically. He's reacting in these, like, very kind of twitchy ways. And it's, yeah. like, he just feels like he's probably doing everything wrong. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so yes. it's just wicked hard to watch. It is, yeah. And, like, to the point where, like, he gives her Rebecca's cookies. Sorry, biscuits. And, like, which I was, like, wow. Desperate. At first I thought maybe he, like, made her her own cookies. That's what I thought originally. But then we see later that, no, he did not. He just gave her Rebecca's because he's just so freaked out about it. But I thought it was really, I really thought that it was a good move on the writers and that right away... They had Dr. Sharon kind of call him out, being like, oh, this is what you do? You're trying to disarm me? You're trying to, you know... Like, I thought that was really interesting that they they kind of outed what perhaps... I think quite a few people maybe actually thought of Ted, that he's not as genuine as he is. Like, it is an act. It is like a... You know what I mean? And I think... I think... And not that I think that it's true because I don't think that's true at all but I I really think that it was interesting that Sharon just came out and was like "Mm, okay I see what you're trying to do here yeah I think what's what's fascinating about what this show is trying to say is that like being optimistic having a positive attitude isn't always enough and I think Ted is starting to learn that that like as happy and go lucky and positive as he is there's still a little bit more work to do and the show yes. holds him accountable which I love mm-hmm. it's not just like the cute comedy about the good old natured you know wacky football coach it's it's about this man who's like trying to figure out the best way to navigate life and he has to keep himself accountable and like constantly do the work to ensure that he's being a good person and not just a nice person yeah, and- but a good person. And a genuine person. Yeah. I think is, is because I think it's hard to, I think for some people, especially when he first came in, I think it was hard for them to think that Ted was genuine, you know, because it's not, he does not act from a place that most people act, <laughs> to be honest, uh, when they're, you know, when they're being real. And so I think that it's definitely interesting to see sort of how he how he navigates this whole sort of now that he knows Dr. Sharon is going to be here for the whole season mm-hmm. you know that that Higgins has hired her for the whole season and it's not just a one and done you know she fixed Danny and now she's you know off to wherever so I think it will be it will be interesting I again we really want to see that Ted and Sharon therapy session I'm dying for um, it um, can we talk yeah. about Ted's favorite book being an Anne Rand novel I know I'm upset about it I he does say he has a good reason and we haven't heard it yet but oh I mm. he can't be perfect everyone has flaws including liking Anne Rand it's fine I I tried to like think about like okay from a Ted perspective why would he like that book I'm sure there's a reason. I mean, I don't. I will be honest. Have never read it. Will never read it. You're not missing a darn thing. (laughs) This is an anti-Anne Rand podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know, I know the sort of Fool's Notes version of it, Mm -hmm. but why, Ted? Why? Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm hoping that it actually has nothing to do with the book itself. <laughs> and it has to do, no, I'm serious. And, and that it has something to do with the person who gave him the book or the person who told him to read the book or the person, something that was going on in his life when he had to read that book. And like, I'm hoping that's what it is because like, I just don't like any other option. <laughs> New headcanon. There's a reason. And it's not because he thinks Anne Rand is a great writer with great ideas. Let's hope that's the case. (laughs) Knock on wood. (laughs) Anyway, I will say that after all of that, Ted and Rebecca bonding over their distrust of therapy. Yes. Beautiful. So good. Explains so much about her. Yep. Explains so much about their dynamic (laughs) and why it is the (laughs) way it is. And how it works. Yes. Oh, and that... 
idea that friendship is really just like it's just for you to put your anxieties onto other people i mean god it's so exactly. true it, it, it's painful to think about <laughs> it really is it, it's i mean yeah that's why you have friends right <laughs> Or you start podcasts with them, you know, one or the other. I was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> share all of your inner trauma and thoughts, start a podcast. It's, you know, it's all the same thing. <laughs> oh, also in that, right before they are talking about, Ted and Rebecca are talking, I, I just loved the little interaction <laughs> with Keely and Rebecca about uh, Rebecca doing the uh, dating profile. Yes. On a website that is called Tumescent. If you look at, amazing, amazing. I just want to know. Who is the person that has to create the screens for Rebecca's laptop? Because I love that person. Every single one of them is just brilliant. I love that she had to erase the word filthy from filthy rich on her profile. (laughs) So great. So great. Oh, and Higgins. Can we just talk about Higgins throughout the whole episode and that goddamn pen holder? I know that poor man. And okay, I do need to shout out someone on Twitter. I need to shout out, shout out to the Cult of Lasso mm. on Twitter. They have been making the most excellent et- like graphics oh, yeah. of Higgins in just random things. I think there was one, I know there was there was one with him and Bernie Sanders at the inauguration. Amazing. There was so many. Like they were so funny. It was perfect. It was just he's all over the place. I love him. I really do. He's so ride or die. For AFC Richmond. He really is. He really, he really is. And that whole thing about laughing Liam, the guy who is, <laughs> and just him and Rebecca making fun of other employees, but like from, like not in the kind of way that they did last season. Yeah. It's a totally, it's a different dynamic. And I just, I really enjoy it so much that they can still, they're, they're still kind of catty and petty a little bit. Like, I mean, who isn't at work? But it's funny, you know, it's like a funny, it's more so it's, it's harmless, I guess is what I would say. Yeah. You know, it's a funny, like, sort of harmless, whereas last season, it was more like Rebecca gleefully trying to, like, bring down Ted. <laughs> it's less diabolical, but still just as petty, yeah, and sure. I can appreciate that. Yes. Can we talk about Jamie stalking Keely for her entire lunch hour? I'm not stalking you. I just followed you for a few blocks. Okay, buddy. What do you think that I actually, is? I loved, I loved how multiple times in this episode, Jamie was like, I definitely wasn't doing this. I was kind of doing this. I was totally doing this. <laughs> <laughs> like he did that multiple times in the episode and I really loved that I thought it was again it was Jamie kind of being a human and I think he's like struggling with how to be a genuine person and so he comes out of the gate with this persona of who Jamie Tart is supposed to be and then he's slowly, who he's always been yeah and then it starts to disintegrate and the real like normal yeah. human being who feels all of these emotions is starting to come out he can't hide yes. it anymore no, he's he's actually not. He's and yeah, for whatever reason, whether it's the getting kicked off the reality show or not being allowed to come back to Manchester City, it's really humbled him in a way and made him kind of not be able to, like you said, keep his his like sort of real emotions in check. Which is I like it. It's it's kind of refreshing when it comes to Jamie. It is lovely to see, especially after last season. So I am. I'm I'm riding the Jamie Tart train. I am. Yes, yes. I'm I'm hoping that we get like a nice humble apology out of him at some point for the rest of AFC yes. Richmond. But I won't hold hmm. my breath. I won't hold my breath on that. But it would be nice. Yes, it would be nice. Yeah, that was the one thing I did notice, even in his conversation that comes later with Ted. He does not apologize for anything. Yeah. He never says he's sorry about last season. He doesn't say anything like that. So, like, maybe Jamie also needs a uh, session or two with Dr. Sharon. Oh, I I, I know we're going to get that. Like, I know that that's going to happen. There's no way in hell that they're going to have a sports therapist and not have Jamie in that chair at least once. Yeah. Oh, that would be so awkward. And I just love that. I can't wait. <laughs> so evil. I know. Okay, one more thing about the Keely and Jamie. Jamie, like, scene that happened. What did you think when she was, like, really annoyed that he deleted her number? Okay, because I I think if there are any Keely... I've I've seen, I've seen, like, multiple views on this, so that's why I'm kind of being devil's advocate, because I want to know what you think. 
I don't think we're going down the road of like Jamie and Keely getting back together. And I don't necessarily think that Keely has any more romantic interest in him. But I do think that she was surprised that he would do something as emotional as delete her number. Because like when you're breaking up with someone, I don't know, I want to like delete Instagram photos. I want to like pretend that they like fell off a cliff and died. Like I don't ever want to see them again. Right. They never existed in the first place. And Jamie played off their breakup really nonchalantly. He was already dating someone new. Like he was very blasé about it. Yeah. So I think knowing that he deleted her number was just little signifier to Keely that like he really did care and he really was beat up about it and like he needed to separate himself from her and I think that that's like an amazing human moment I agree I really I liked that I thought I I agree with you I like I feel the same way I don't think that it is trying to go down the road of a love triangle I really hope that's not true because I just find like miscommunication love triangles are very overdone unless they end in a polyamorous relationship. That's okay, the well that I'm That's the only totally way a love triangle is okay. I feel like we established that in episode 1 that we are 100% okay with that. However, it's probably um, not going to I do <laughs> it's probably not going to happen, but well, whatever. But I do think that it was the transition from that scene into the next scene was was a little bit vague and a little bit baiting. Oh, they were trolling the shit out of us with that. They were trolling. Yeah, yeah, I do think that. That being said, that was a brilliant scene. There's a couple in this episode that are just amazing and just so good, so good. This is the kind of thing that Ted Lasso does as a show that reminds you that it's not like we joke about how wholesome and sweet and adorable the show can be but it is also meant for adults and right it's like it's funny and sexy and it's perfect and it's not it's not sexy in like a gratuitous way a gratuitous way I mean there's been almost no sex scenes at all no in in this season one there was very few not even really I wouldn't even count them as sex scenes to be honest no and I would say what was great about those is that they were definitely for more female empowerment than they were the other way around. It was all about oh, yes. women's pleasure when we saw those scenes yes. in season one. So And two. And now season two. <laughs> so far. And yeah, and I think, you know, shout out to uh, Leanne Bowen, the writer of this episode. She did an amazing job. Of course. Um, and we are very happy. So thank you. Yeah. But yeah, it was great. The whole thing with Roy walking in on Keely in their bedroom. <laughs> And the, like, I, there was so many, there's so much that scene that, like, aside from the fact that she was, like, he caught her wanking off in her, their bedroom. <laughs> aside from I that, which that was you're, hilarious. You're saying wanking. It's just. What else? What else can I say? Look, this is a podcast about football shows, Daria, so I just gotta stay with the lingo, and I said proper the other day in a context that I would never say, and got such a weird look from someone, and I was like, don't look at me like that. I'm like half British now. God. <laughs> me, when I was 11 years old reading Harry Potter for the first time. <laughs> I am British now. I can't help it. So yes, aside from all of that, I just thought there was so many little moments in this interaction that were so great. One, Roy is just like, this is the porn I like. <laughs> Which, I don't even know if we have Two time people in the woods. to examine oh that. <laughs> so great but also um this little thing he was like he he says something and I don't know the exact line but he basically was like I need to know like what you like and I just thought that was something that like does not happen (laughs) in most television shows between two consenting adults especially two consenting heterosexual adults I was just gonna say it I mean very rare we don't see that perspective uh and especially coming from the man in the relationship yeah for sure yeah no i so i thought it was very refreshing but like of course like the best part of that entire scene is what we have been asking for for the last two episodes is roy's retirement speech which was so much be- we have seen like two seconds of it and just so much better than i could have possibly imagined I don't know what I was expecting, and I am so glad that this is what we got. Just a full-on crying Roy. It's it's so perfect. It's so beautiful that he would be so ashamed. 
of just this like genuine outpouring of emotion to the point where like that's what get, gets Keely off is this sort of like emotional side of him that he bottles up all inside so god I mean it's just it was so funny I, I it was it really was I loved it so much and I I also really liked the fact that <laughs> I mean and then she brings up Jamie which I love how he's like oh I thought this conversation couldn't get any worse <laughs> So great um but i i liked the fact that finally he did relent because like deep down mm-hmm. he knows he knows that he hasn't been himself since he left football and as much as he does not want to be a pundit i think i thought it was interesting that he finally is just like yes i'll do it fine well and i think it's it's this idea and like we've talked about it before because like it wouldn't be good if he couldn't do it on his own terms and i think he was so nervous that he was gonna have to behave a certain way or follow a script that he kept sort of booing himself off stage before he even started the performance so i love that he's finally going to give it a shot and take a risk on something and i love that keely has been able to support him and and push him to do that because she knows that it's the right thing for him yeah absolutely yes so the emotional whiplash of this show is so strong and so we we see keely and Roy having this like beautiful sexy moment to then Ted sitting alone at the pub looking just so sad sad so So sad sad. and then you see the little army guy pop up yes and it's like it's just so good that Jamie's been holding on to this little sucker for so long like it's again it's another part of Jamie that makes him so much more human than he probably wants anyone else to know and he's like putting it all out there for Ted to sit down and like talk to him and try and get back on the team yeah and it also gave us the best interaction in my opinion naming his little man Ted after Ted Danson who's the male version of Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who was the female version, who's the, the female, female version of Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl. <laughs> so wonderful. So great. I love that. Oh, and then we have Jamie just going on his disastrous roller coaster of totally great. Okay, not so great. It's all shit, Ted. <laughs> it it really is such like a interesting moment because Ted struggled last season to get Jamie to be sincere with him and yeah yeah and now you have Jamie sitting down putting it all out there and initiating this conversation that I'm sure is really hard for him yeah and that's why I I really have a hard time thinking that there isn't at least like 75% sincerity in what Jamie wants in coming back to AFC Richmond I mean there's part of me that assumes that yes for plot reasons he probably has agreed to that reality tv show but um, I do think there is a big part of him that does, like you said, want to be part of this football team because he loves football so much because he knows he is, it is the thing that he is best at. Um, and he is really yeah. good at it. You know, it's not just that, it's not just the thing that he's best at, it's that he is the best at it. And, and you know. And I think, you know, we've been, one of our favorite scenes, as you can see from Instagram, is that tall Yoda moment. Um, it really is so funny. <laughs> Because Jamie's little uh, pop culture references are so cute, so bizarre. They're a little backwards, but you kind of get the understanding and the message. But to me, it, it actually leads in really nicely into the conversation about his dad. Jamie does have this sort of like irreverent respect for older people. And that definitely translates to his relationship with his dad and, and how much pressure he feels to, to be the kind of person his dad wants him to be. And and of course, that is why he quits the team. Of course, that is why he does this shitty reality show is because he's rebelling. And, he, you yeah. know, even as a grown man, you're still going to try and rebel against your parents. So I, I thought him being open and honest about that was really, really interesting. And in a brief tangent, I thought it was very timely because I don't know if you've seen it, but the King Richard trailer just came out with Will Smith. I have, yes. And of course I cried because I'm like an emotional dandelion. But it is an emotional trailer. It's this idea of parents and their children's greatness and trying to make I don't know form your child into this certain thing and like are you gonna do it or are you not gonna do it like Serena and Venus are two of the most amazing if not the most amazing tennis players in the world you know and yeah, would absolutely. they have been like that if they didn't have their dad's kind of you know pressure to, to be that way and it's kind mm-hmm. of the same thing with Jamie and his dad like, yeah would Jamie be as good at football if it wasn't for his dad kind of getting on his back so much but yeah. because he does he does say that in in season one, you know, when they're tr- gonna burn everything, 
and you know he does say that he he wanted to be the best despite. yeah it's it's so interesting and complicated and you know frankly I don't necessarily believe in pushing your kids to do something that they really don't want to do yes but I know Jamie loves the sport and I know it's this really complicated thing where he probably feels like he owes his dad a lot and also hates him at the same time and that kind of mm-hmm. intricate complicated relationship just makes the whole thing that much more interesting to me it really does I totally agree and I think it was interesting we got a little we got a little nugget about Ted and Ted's dad. And I'm interesting to see what that if we if we learn more about that. And I, I have a feeling perhaps he says, you know, his dad was always harder on himself than he ever was on Ted. And I wonder if that has is sort of has has formed Ted in some way into the Ted that we know and the Ted who is always positive and the Ted you know, what what was going on in his life that was perhaps the opposite of that for a significant amount of time and and in some ways perhaps he feels more like his dad than he realizes or than he wants to admit and that's some of the gen that's some of the positivity that ted we see through ted and you know so who, i mean i'm just totally you know theorizing but i it's interesting to see and i i really liked that we had that sort of you know and and jamie being like oh you know telling ted he's so lucky and uh, you know is he lucky yeah, we don't know sure. yet we don't know oh, yet. god i think what was kind of great about that scene is you know you know that ted is comfortable talking about stuff like this i mean he's he's pretty open you yeah. know given the the he right is. conversation and then to transition to practice the next morning with you know, Dr. Sharon in the stands and that great moment where she seems to just inch closer and closer. And I love closer. that. She just keeps moving seats. It's so great. But it's I so mean, this, this, this show is, I think, really building up to this moment of Ted and Dr. Sharing, like laying it all out because these transitions are, I mean, they're so purposeful. Like Ted is sitting there talking about his mm-hmm. family and his father and then we see Dr. Sharon in the next scene and his total discomfort at her being there. Yep. I'm dying for it. I know. There was that there were so many parts of that scene that I really liked and some that I didn't. Again, Nate and his power tripping, freaking out about the sports mix being pineapple. Which, uh, sounds lovely. Poor Poor Will. Poor Will. And then what else? Did, oh, the whole thing with yes. Sam. That was so interesting. Getting mad. Yeah, Sam, you know, you know, the players had seen the picture of Jamie and, and Ted at the bar. And, and then Sam getting so mad at Ted. And I just thought he was so, he did such an amazing job. I just, Tahib, we yeah. love you. You're so great. He's so talented. <laughs> we love well, you so much. Well, because it's like you can see the frustration and you can feel the anger, but you also have this man who's just, he's so sweet too. And he's like almost apologetic yeah. about how upset he's getting. And it's, it's just this. Yeah. And then he was swearing and it's so, It was this so beautiful, cute. beautiful like transition. I thought it was such an amazing moment because like as mad as Sam is, he's never going to be downright disrespectful. And like, it's just so perfect. And, and I think it's something that is so, the whole thing where he admitted to Ted that like, that Jamie has never, Jamie has made him feel the worst about himself, which is such a huge thing. Mm-hmm. to admit I think for a male in sports yeah. I think that's a big thing to admit and I thought you know it was it was really poignant that he clearly even though he's mad at Ted he still admits he still trusts Ted enough with that knowledge and to tell him you know why didn't you talk to us like don't you know how can you do this to us that kind of thing so I think it was it was good and then of course talking about his own father and how he's in safe hands with Ted it's just like this show emotional roller coaster and well, I just and I love do it. love that we're sort of focusing on uh what relationships between fathers and sons look like and how they affect you as an adult we're seeing that in very like different ways we see the way Jamie is we see the way Sam is we see the way Ted is and it it's a nice little look at like what that dynamic can do we don't talk a lot about fathers and the impact that they can have Mm -hmm. on their kids usually it's like a a a mom thing you know so it's nice to see that they're Mm -hmm. talking about it and it's nice to see that we're seeing lots of different yeah it's not just the negative aspects of you know oh my dad was tough on me and now I feel like I have to be tough it's you know also my dad clearly cares about me and loves me and wants me to do well 
and knows that and trusts you to help me get there and that's like such a I just love that we have so yeah. extremes um I, I like we get to see both yeah of those because dynamics. clearly Jamie's dad has a lot of ego right like when we saw him in season one he was just a dick he was an egotistical dick who Mm -hmm. thought he knew exactly how jamie was supposed to be whereas with sam's father sam's father trusts ted and trusts that ted can be that Mm -hmm. kind of like fatherly influence on his son and there's no ego there at all like i i love the the difference Mm -hmm. between both examples okay now we need to talk about perhaps one of the best montage moments in the episode roy kent in a suit with punk music playing in the background (sighs) that black on black it could not have been better black on black suit was just the most beautiful thing my god so great why is that not the standard a black on black suit is just so good yes yeah i love his vulnerability in that episode with keely or in that scene with keely where he's worried that they Mm -hmm. might not like him which is like what and she even is like you're roy kent when do you, since when do yeah. you care? So it, I loved that. And it's like, of course he cares, you know. I love that his favorite flower is a white orange. Love that. That was so good. I love knowing that about him. And honestly, Roy as a pundit was everything we wanted if it was going to go That's this all we way. wanted. We said it in the first episode. We wanted him to be himself. We wanted him to be aggressive and, and honest. And, yeah. you know, he was exactly that. I know. It was so great. And watching Keely's reaction go from like, oh, my God, what have I done? To, oh, my God, what have I done? <laughs> it was so great. I really loved that. I really, really oh, loved that. Oh, it was perfect. It was it was awesome. I mean, you know, you watch, you watch shows like that and – they're always being nice. They don't want to ruffle any feathers. They don't want to offend anybody. They don't want to, like, fuck up a potential sponsorship or advertisement. And you've got right. Roy, who could give a shit. He's <laughs> going to say what he wants to say, yeah. and they're going to have to deal with it. Exactly. Yeah. And I also, did you notice that one of the pundits is the old coach? No. Yeah, the guy with the gray hair who's sitting right next to Roy is the old coach from AFC Richmond who Rebecca fires at the beginning. I'm almost positive. God, I have the memory of a goldfish. <laughs> I mean, look, I just have watched this episode a lot, so I will definitely look that up while we're talking, and, but I'm pretty sure that it's the same actor. That's, um, now, I don't know that they meant for it, I'm assuming they mean for it to be the same person, but... That's hilarious. That adds a whole new layer. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, which is kind of, I thought, and that that's kind of what I thought was interesting, is that that, to Roy, is the kind of people who go into be pundits. Yes. People who suck at their job and get not that that's true (laughs) not that we believe that about any uh sports pundits whatsoever we do not believe i'm just saying that's That's what what i believe he thinks it's a big sellout moment for sure yeah oh my god i there were really so many good moments about this episode uh i think we need to talk about higgins moving into the coaches offices yes this is what i'm talking about when nate doing a bit of a power trip to other characters was like almost insult you could tell he was kind of insulted that ted would offer up his office to share with higgins which i thought is ridiculous considering ted and beard share yeah i thought that was so bizarre like that's their whole thing like they the very first episode they push their desks together like it's so for for nate to be like uh yeah i guess was just again like nate i know get off but there is a really funny moment when he's like talking about Jamie and like how it's going to bring down morale. And then he like stops, yells at Will about the towels, turns back and goes, oh, What a donut. And then he goes, What was I talking about? <laughs> I think it's Nate. What's so hard about what, like, what's so hard about Nate's attitude is that no one's called him out on it just yet. And I'm waiting for that moment because. Ted is usually pretty good about making sure that, like, if you're being a dick, you're going to get called out on it. Or he's going to say something to sort of, like, you know, trigger a conversation. But with Nate, they're sort of just letting it fly. So I'm I'm curious about what's happening when we're going to get that call out. Because it's it's a lot. Yeah, and it's there's definitely been moments in this episode where you know both Ted and Beard have seen it and acknowledged it yes. to each other, I find. So yeah, it'll be, uh, it's, it's very, you know, also probably one of my favorite quotes in this episode was 
when Coach Beard calls Jamie a poop in the punch bowl. <laughs> so visceral. <laughs> so gross. So gross. The imagery but like, is really... I, I absolutely loved it. <laughs> well, you know, Beard has always had a way with words. Right? Exactly. That's our guy. It's just going to make it real clear for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, this episode so good. So good. Yeah, can we talk about the moment that Roy Kent launched one million fanfics? <laughs> like, I know we joke about it being a little surprising that he's fully transformed into a romance hero, but let's talk about it. Because wow. that Perfect. moment. Again, finally, Keely getting acknowledged for all her hard work. Yes, in the best way possible. Getting, yeah, the reward could not have been sweeter. Well, and what I love about it is that, like, as much as he might not be able to grasp why his retirement speech and, and why that side of him can affect her in that way, he's like, you know what, it does, and it makes you happy. So let's just do it. Like, I'm not going to judge at this point. Like, let's put in those little earbuds, which, great product placement, Apple. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You could not have sold more of them if you tried. (laughs) Like, let's put in your little earbuds, let's play the video, and let's, like, let's go to work. Like, it's just, it's so perfect. I love their relationship. I, I, I haven't seen a relationship portrayed this way on TV in a really long time. It's incredibly honest. It's incredibly accurate, but it's not over yeah. the top. It's not in your face. Um, it's funny. It's heartwarming. It's just like so refreshing to not have to deal with like the emotional animosity of your favorite couple either going through some sort of tension or like it's so nice to just even when they're fighting or arguing, even when they're like not seeing eye to eye, it's still beautiful and still so enjoyable as a viewer. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah, it doesn't feel like they're arguing and the result is a breakup. It just feels like they're arguing and they're gonna get past it and they're gonna continue being in a relationship, which is super rare to see in TV. Yeah, I mean, cause that's what happens. You have arguments. One person is right, one person is wrong, one person uses a Ted Lasso quote to prove oh that she's right. Oh my god. Which, listen, it's like, we, we talk a lot about Roy and Keeley being this amazing couple. Clearly Ted's relationship mm-hmm. with his wife was not so great. Um, for it to have completely fucked with him this much, that even after all this time, the idea of therapy still freaks him out. And so, when we get to see this interaction later on at night... Oh between Dr. Sharon and Ted in the parking lot. I think it's a turning point for them. And I I think specifically a turning point for Ted that she's not the enemy. She's really just there to do a job and make sure that everyone's in a good headspace. And that includes him. Yeah, and I think, you know, I I love that quote that she that she says to him she goes you know heavy is the head that wears the visor and I think that that is you know he talks about how Sam talking about his dad is what made Ted want to bring Jamie back to the team because Jamie doesn't have a good dad you know then the diamond dogs may say that idea and there's like no don't bring Jamie back but I think Dr. Sharon being like what does she say? Uh, you know, and she says, you know, his eight draws something that's not broken. And then she acknowledges, you know, that heavy is the head that wears the visor. And I, I don't think as much as Ted is positive and motivational for so many people, Rebecca, Keely, Higgins, Beard, Nate, all the guys on the team, Jamie, I think sometimes it gets lost on most of the people in his life that Ted also needs He does. He does. He needs that support, too. And I think Dr. Sharon is perhaps the first person that Beard and Rebecca and all those people have not done that for Ted, because they 100% have, but I I think perhaps they're too close to Ted at this moment to see how desperately he needs it. And I think Dr. Sharon is is the person who might Yeah, I think the that key. the perspective that she has, that sort of outsider's view, is really important here. And I think that becomes clear to her during the practice when she sees Sam have his kind of little freak out. And mm-hmm. she sees that, that Ted follows after Sam immediately. You know, I mean, it's other coaches would sort of like let players run off the field and stew in the locker room and have their like, you know, quote unquote temper tantrum and carry on with practice. 
But Ted cares a lot about his players, and he wants to make sure that they're, you know, doing well. Yeah. So I think seeing that side of him helped put things in perspective for Dr. Sharon, that, like, he is trying hard to make a connection, as she said earlier. He's trying hard to do the right thing. Yeah. He might just need a little bit of help, and she can be that person for him. I mean, she's dying to get Ted in her office. She's like, she cannot wait. And I think, I think also, over the course of that, this day or two, that, you know, um, this episode... She sees that Ted is genuine. I'm so glad that this is the way that this show is going with this, with the storyline, and just kudos to the writers. It's so well done. Dr. Sharon is quickly becoming one of my favorite characters, and the way in which she's been acting is not a trope in this show. It's not, they're not using it to further the plot. They're not using it to, you know, it's not her, she's not the antagonist in this, in this season. And I think a lot of shows, I think the audience is not used to that. And so I think when she first came in, they're like, oh, okay, she's our antagonist. And it's like, oh, wait, no, 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 don't get comfortable. Don't get comfortable with this kind of what you think you know. Jenny and Daria, you know nothing. <laughs> We're going to answer. We're going to give you everything you, you want in the second nothing. episode. <laughs> so can only imagine what episodes 3 through 12 will be like. She's a joy. She really is. Because she just, yeah, her delivery is great. I love that she's always honest. I love that she is honest in a way that's not mean i i love how to the point she is and i love that she gives ted a break in the end when she finally tells him what her favorite book is let's talk about prince of tides being dr sharon's favorite book now you've seen the movie i haven't i hadn't even really heard of it until the episode um i don't know if that's a problem i had to google it but i find the plot pretty fascinating considering it is a therapist's favorite book yeah so it's been a long time since i saw the movie um and it is based on a book it's about a psychiatrist who is from new york and she is working with he's a football coach or he he's he is a football coach when he be he stops being a football coach and they're working together because his sister is mentally ill and she has attempted suicide and so he's helping her psychiatrist sort of fill in the blanks on their like dysfunctional childhood and they become friends and then eventually um like romantically involved (laughs) so (laughs) wow (laughs) what does this mean i I think, you know, I think we sort of have to take note of some of the little references we've gotten thus far. I mean, we've gotten Magnolia, we've gotten the Fountainhead, now we have Prince of Tides. I mean, I think when you talk about a character's favorite something, it's supposed to tell you a little bit about who they are. So I think we're going to have to to keep these in the back of our heads as the Mm -hmm. season continues because... I don't know. I don't know what it means that Prince of Tides is Dr. Sharon's favorite book. What are we going to get? What are we going to get out of that? I know. What are we going to get? Are we going to get romance? Um, Are we going to get friendship? I don't know. I hope it's friendship. I hope it's friendship. I mean, we'll see. I I don't know. We'll, We'll see. And then we have that final scene in the snow. Which I heard was real snow. Real snow. I, I saw um, one of the actors, and I can't remember who it was, talking about how it was actually really, really cold that day that they filmed that. And it was actual real snow. And, like, Jamie's headband. That's my favorite part of that scene. <laughs> I am a little curious to see what might have gone down. But it was a great moment. So good. He looked so uncomfortable. So, so, I love the idea that Jamie is the fish out of water. Yes. I love the reverse of that from season one. Like, he was such a big shot. He was the, you know, unofficial leader of the team. Even though Roy was captain, Jamie really was the, like, big fish in a small pond. And now, it's completely opposite. Like, really, no one wants him there. He's kind of the underdog, which I think probably is the first time in his life Jamie has ever been that way. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm nervous. I, I hope 
that somehow in that time Ted talked to the team and let them know that he was coming back. Yes, I I have to think that I think that you're right because Sam's face was not one of shock and horror. it was more disappointment. It was resignation, yeah. disappointment and resignation. So I have to imagine it's not surprising for Sam that he's there. He didn't look surprised. Some of the other guys looked surprised, but Sam to me did not look surprised. No, not at all. He just looked like, okay, yeah, we're doing like, this. Like, here we go. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But I did find it surprising that Higgins and Rebecca were surprised. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was like, don't you have to approve that? Isn't that your yeah. job to make sure yeah. that that's all copacetic? Um, Dr. Sharon comes in and is like, oh, thanks for the basket of bottled water. Which, like, this poor woman, she either gets someone else's biscuits or she gets a basket of water. Like... Let's give her a nice warm welcome in a less weird way. I love how Keely just called Rebecca out. Like, there's lots of things that don't have sugar in them. <laughs> fruit. <laughs> well, but fruit. Like a fruit basket? Fruit does have sugar. Okay, but it's naturally. I know, but who sugar. knows where naturally Dr. Sharon's anti-sugar thing. Draws yeah, that line. Knows? It's true. It's true. God. <laughs> flowers, even. Flowers could have been yes, better flowers than Flowers actually would have been quite nice, Rebecca. God. So funny. Well, I don't know. We'll see where episode three takes us. I am. I'm curious. I'm excited. I'm apprehensive. That little look that Rebecca gave Keely at the end. Don't know what that was. It could mean a million things. Yeah, but it could mean a million things. So I don't want to speculate because every time I do, I end up putting my foot in my mouth. So. <laughs> I'm just gonna like eat crow every single episode that we record because I'll say something and then the exact opposite will happen or exactly what I want will happen. So I mean, this is the you know. risk of a show that releases week to week. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I know. I just, I just, I'm gonna say it. I really, really, really do not want a love triangle. Yes, writers of Ted Lasso, do not do this to us. It is difficult. Please don't have done this to us. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Well, that's all for this week. Where can they find us, Daria? All right, guys. You can find us at hotelvicarious.com or on social at Hotel Vicarious on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Let's talk about this episode, guys. Tweet us. Leave some comments. We are dying to talk about this episode. We love it so much. Drop your AO3 links for any sort of Roy fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> just in case if you want let's talk about it yeah you can also email us um you can email us at hotelvicarious at gmail.com and tell us how wrong we were about multiple things in this episode we will probably ignore all of them but we still appreciate your emails <laughs> so thanks for checking into hotel vicarious we hope you enjoyed your stay bye